from Immersive Labs, this is Cyber Humanity. Hello all, I'm your host, Chris Pace, as always, and joined once again by the productizer, Paul Bentham. Hello, everybody. Mr. Nothing to CVE here, Kev Breen. <laughs> oh, oh, nice. Uh, yeah. See? I wasn't expecting that. See? I just wrote that. And finally, uh, Immersive Labs, the only person at Immersive Labs with cyber actually in his job title, Max Vetter. Hello. In these podcasts, we do try to focus on the human side of cybersecurity, and these come in two flavours, either us ranting about themes close to the hearts of security types, or us chatting about threat and security stuff from recent weeks, and this episode is uh, one of those. Um, I've half entitled this week's episode The Ethics episode because uh, weirdly when we started looking through all the stuff that we were researching it turned out that all of these things kind of had this um slight ethics angle um and hopefully that will come out as we go through the uh, as we go through the um uh, through the podcast but we're going to start off by um returning to one of our favorite um one of our fa- one of our one of top Paul's five favorite. criminal gangs <laughs> yeah. the, the unpronounceable ones uh, the unpronounceables <laughs> that we're, we're just going to call them reveal from now on um and i think actually weirdly now the media have decided that they're just going to call them the reveal criminal gang um because i guess the ransomware variant is too complicated to well, it takes so long to type sadinakibi doesn't it? i don't know it's if it's just that i think I it's because they're trying to differentiate me. they're trying to differentiate between the gang that's using the malware rather than just the malware variant itself I think it's probably they, something to do with that. They might, they might Can, move on to a different malware, won't they? So. It's ransomware yeah, as a service, so there is, a, in some cases, a distinction between uh, which affiliate group has compromised um, and what the Revil gang are taking off that. So that is a fair distinction to make, I think. Anyway, you would, you would have to have been on another planet to not know that um, the Revil criminal gang... Uh, are now uh, ransoming a... We talked about it uh, last week. Uh, they're ransoming a, a law firm, US law firm, New York law firm, which has a lot of celebrity um, clients. And it turned out that one of those celebrity clients is um, is the president of the United States, Donald Trump. Um, and they have made a... Uh, uh, they're trying to ransom... I don't know if it's the law firm or Trump himself or I don't I don't really know who they're trying to ransom, but somebody for the for a snip at forty two million dollars um, to keep his uh, to keep his files uh, quiet. And of course, what that's done is it's given the story a kind of life of its own. So a week ago, it's only been covered by you know a bit of industry press and the odd mainstream news, and now suddenly it's um it's everywhere. And there's a, a Vice article that's been um, that's been pretty widely shared where, when this kind of uh, first uh first came out but of course it leads us back to the question that we always have to you know we always end up asking which is do you pay the ransom and in this context when your victim victim is the um is the president of the united states their holder of public office um does that does that change anything it's a pretty big ransom i mean is the ransom ever been as big as this 42 million dollars i mean when it's like a couple of hundred k here or there you're like eh, maybe like if i'm a multi you know billion dollar business 42 million That's i know the rounding error i know they've asked for millions before um like like 1.5 or a couple of uh, travel x was like seven from memory somewhere around but there they so. only ended up but they only ended up paying two yeah, so so I think it's like they, it's it's like you know, it's like when you're going for a new job, you know, go in high, um, and <laughs> yeah, hope like you, and hope you get something. <laughs> yeah, if you pay it within two weeks, you can pay fifty percent. Yeah, but for, uh, it, 
from my memory on this, they is they've clever the the Revol group are quite clever here because they they know that Trump has a lot of supporters, um, and they're not just asking him to pay anybody. Anybody can contribute to it, isn't it? Isn't that the case? They're trying to get the trying to get people to buy the data. Yeah, well, they, this is sort of, well, this the start of this was TravelX, where they basically said, you know, we haven't just encrypted the data, we've got it. And so that, so what it's done is it's evolved the idea of ransomware as um, we've encrypted the files on your um, computers or on your network to we have taken that data. Now we have it. And that means that we can do with it. Um, we can do with it what we what we will. Yeah, so I think so it, aren't it they is an evolution. The data? Aren't they auctioning the data for 42 or are they offering the decryption keys for 42? No, they're offering the decryption keys for 42. Um what they're attempting to do and in their communications with the press, they're attempting to um, get the law firm to go to Trump and say, you know, give us the money so that we can save your bacon kind of thing. Yeah. The, the, what they're, they're saying is they're going to publish it unless they pay. So it's, it's kind of, and you get the decryption keys maybe. So it's kind of a threat <laughs> as well as the decryption. I and love it different. I love the way they've come in and said that they've pointed out that it's coming up to election time. Um, and it's it will be interesting to see if they class this as election tampering or not. Well, so that leads on to the whole thing about, you know, because when we started talking about this, Paul said, oh, yes, because I've seen that, you know, now if you pay the ransom, um, you know, that's that's illegal. You can't they're saying that you can't pay the ransom because that's illegal. And that that is was the gist of this vice article um it can't it said in there there was a quote from somebody i forget who that said oh you know the fbi have said um that this is an act of terror and so therefore it is um you know therefore it is illegal to illegal to pay the ransom um now that opens up if that if that were the case that opens up a whole can of potential political worms because that suggests that if you're just a regular common or garden business getting hacked for millions um, or ransomed for millions, then, you know, that's fine. You can pay the ransom. Um, but if you're a person who holds a public office or if you're a government entity that gets attacked in exactly the same way, um, you can't. And maybe that's always been the case. I don't know. Well, that, I think we've talked about this previously on the, on the podcast. But, yeah, something like 80% of, of our businesses who, are, who have ransomware do pay it. So, it then, you know, if they're then saying... Well, dependent on the ransomware group, if they are cyber terrorists, then you become a terrorist organization by funding them. Um, that definitely changes the whole, um, you know, the, the whole the whole side of this. I think we're missing some really important stuff here. There's there is potentially some really interesting data here, isn't there? Like, I mean, there's <laughs> well, been yeah. some very bad rumours about what the uh, president has been up to in historically. And if those are written down in legal, like, uh, with legal privilege, and a ransomware group has got those, I mean, I'm going to read that article. So I really <laughs> kind of hope that they don't pay. <laughs> So they yeah. um, they got the, the the suggestion was in the most recent um, the most recent bit of press about this. The suggestion was that they um, had got bored and ended up publishing some of the um, some of the emails, but yeah. there wasn't really anything of any interest in there. Yeah, I read that, I think... and they said basically the emails just had uh, most of the people in those emails were discussing Trump rather than yeah. actually the subject of Trump. 
but then Apparently they said, oh, this think... is the least, the least bad stuff. Yeah. They just grepped the word Trump. Yeah. yeah of course, I mean, obviously. that's all they've yeah. done. And so yeah. they've got, what, like, I had a Trump. <laughs> I don't think I don't that's, think it's worth paying the ransom for. I don't think in America that means just say no. I think in America that means the same thing. So so I'm going to leave that to anyone who's in the states who's listening to this. Now you can just go and Google like what does Trump mean in the UK, and you'll get a ton of you'll get a ton of hilarious responses. So, so and if you're pebble, trying to. <laughs> So pebble dashing from last week. Or... Oh yes, Operation Pebble. No, the malware was called Pebble Dash. Or something. Yeah. Um, the uh, one of the really um, sort of things to remember here is: can you just imagine how hard it is to go through, like, was it seven hundred and sixty-nine gigabytes of like these aren't videos and images. This is documents. Imagine trying to. Tr- trawl through all that stuff and work out what is and isn't interesting it'll be mind-numbingly boring and the fact that they've grepped for trump and released that tells me enough about the fact that they they, it will be impossible for them to know what's good and what isn't um if you remember when um uh who was the journalist that did all the snowden disclosures green green greenfold he are they the guardian and the washington post spent months going through yeah, that still, understanding still going through the context. Yeah. 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 And redacting, you know, it's complicated to process mm. big treasure trays. You, and you either do what WikiLeaks do did do, uh and just dump it and, you know, to hell with it. Or you do uh, uh what the Guardian the Washington Post did and actually, you know, go through it, redact it, try to understand it, etc. I you can't be telling me that this ransom, this malware group have done got a bunch of journalists involved and have started understanding <laughs> what data they do or don't have on the president. Like they found the word Trump and they're like, woohoo, yeah. 42 million, we're getting a yacht. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they're looking for a lever to pull. Mind you, I mean, I suppose you, we've got to say that the, the reality is that um, they're earning well out of this so far it's um you know there are organizations that are prepared to pay the rat the ransom some kind of ransom in order to you know in order to get what they need so kevin are any of our um cyber guys got new cars recently or got, <laughs> got a new flat or anything you know just you know we ought to keep an eye on them yeah no, i think this, is... i think this group is um uh, exclusively for a large Eastern European country, I think. In the, I think it's pretty obvious. I think we're going to see them disappear soon. The um, gang crab, the old gang crab, you know, well, um, they, make tons of reckon, money and retire. They reckon this is a, an evolution of gang crab. It's the potential is it's the same kind of group behind it. But I think if they land another, if they, I mean, if they were to get something this big, uh, the amount of attention this is going to draw from the US uh, in terms of like cyber tracking and like stuff like that. I think they're going to go quiet after this. Um, leave the affiliates to do their things. We'll start to see smaller impact, um, which will inevitably pave the way for some other group to come in and replicate their business model. But uh, I so think far, they're on the way. As, as, as it says uh, in the article, you know, the Kremlin generally turns an, uh, an eye unless it's an ally of Russia. Now, <laughs> would, would you categorize Trump as an ally of Russia? That's, com- that's, that's, com- that's complicated. Yeah, that's another podcast. That's complicated. <laughs> Are we gonna are we gonna vote on paying or not paying? If we haven't uh, done well, I thought. Well, uh, well I was actually gonna ask about. I was gonna ask a different question. I was gonna ask, you know, in in this example where the ransomed 
is a pub is a holder of public office or a you know a, a government a, let's say a government official um or let's say a government agency or a government organization does that change the terms of reference should it should there be a law against those kinds of organizations and individuals paying the ransom should it be illegal for them to do so like what's our view we're doing what everybody else is doing um you you put in the focus on the fact that they've got trump's data um mm. there's still a lot of other private individuals who are going to be affected by this as well so but is does that we mean have it's to good or do you, do you mean you should pay then or you shouldn't because of that well i mean i'm saying that uh if paying the ransom clears everything then maybe the u.s government has a responsibility to protect its citizens if there's a large percentage of u.s citizens and they can pay to stop that amount of privacy invasion <laughs> I think we all already know there is a totally separate justice system for celebrities in the US. So that so that so the American government's probably already decided that they're going to pay the ransom for them. Um sorry, I've just I mean, finished what I watched too many Netflix documentaries. I'm not a person is, to ask about is, this. This is not I mean the, I mean I'm not gay with you on that, Kev. Like, it can't be a government's responsibility of its citizens to pay ransomware. Like <laughs> governments don't negotiate with terrorists. So, and you look at the hot water Qatar's got itself into by paying the ransom uh, demands when hostages were taken. I mean, uh, allegedly upwards of a billion dollars have been paid to terrorists in the Middle East for taking Qatari nationals hostage. That didn't go down so well with their neighbours, uh, and now you, and you have to spend 14 hours getting from from doha to anywhere else in the middle east so i'm not with you on that kev i don't think the government's going to be uh well shouldn't be stepping in now of course it's trump's government so anything could happen <laughs> but um I, I wouldn't be but i wouldn't be supporting uh the british government doing that but eth ethically on that on that question i'm i'm of no don't pay don't don't ever give lots of your money to criminals that's that's my ethical stance whether I, i'm not saying if I was CEO of an organization and the, the CEO was, you know, smashing down my door. <laughs> I love uh, that. During ethically, a... ethically, you shouldn't pay the ransom, but operationally, However... here's my open checkbook. <laughs> Please get me out of this terrible hole that I'm in. Well, it's different, isn't it? I, and, oh, it's and different. I... Well, it's different, isn't it? Yes, it's different. <laughs> but no, you, I mean, you made a good point. It is different for private sector where money is the, uh, the end, whereas public sector where... I don't know if you're in an intelligence service, someone's life might be the, you know, the, the goal. The ethics of, aren't um, any different. The, no, ethics well, is, uh, the ethics are still the same. No, you I agree. But we know lots of people do it. Even yeah, we know you I, shouldn't do it. So, so we, um, we recently ran a, um, an exercise working with, um, uh, with KPMG and some of their senior people on the, on, the, um, on the exercise. And when it came to the question of paying the ransom, they did get to a point where they said what's the what's the calculation so based on the scenario that they were in what they understood about their their revenues on like and we were talking on like a daily basis what 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 does our revenue look like today versus what's the ransom that's being demanded versus what versus what's the impact operationally on that revenue once we've gone through that calculation where does that leave us and then let's talk about the ethics of it so it was all to do with the mechanics and the economy economics first and then the ethics afterwards i i think that's a really interesting so as as we go forward collecting those stats because i would bet in a in a um scenario environment lots of people will say do not pay because they're being ethical 
And and then if you if we compare that to the real stats of how many people actually pay, I reckon generally in, in a scenario people will go, Oh yeah, no, I can't pay, that's terrible when they're actually in it and the CEO is smashing their door down, they're like, Oh yeah, just pay it and, and get it done with. Um being yeah. really interested to collect those stats. Also, I think it's really interesting when you start to think about um, people outside of the sphere of outside of the sphere of security, outside of the sphere of risk. Um, you know, in, in their example, it was the person who had taken the role of the, the CFO who was pushing for payment of the ransom. They understood the, the hourly, daily, weekly impact of them being offline. And so therefore they 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 were much more dare I say pragmatic about the idea of around the idea of paying the paying the ransom um I I, I'm not sure we cut really yet covered this the question that I asked was should it be illegal to pay so so should we just remove the possibility that people can get themselves organizations can extricate themselves from these situations or attempt to by paying money or should we take that off the table and say sorry you've experienced it you have to rebuild in exactly the same way as you know someone uh put a bomb inside your building and said i'm going to detonate it you don't i mean my understanding is you don't pay that ransom right the interesting thing is is that the bad guys do the same kind of thing so they uphold like a large percentage of the time they uphold when you pay a ransom they give you the decryption keys because the first time they don't they lose their business model Mm. so if we were to remove that business model away from them i think maybe we could start to see a decline in that but it wouldn't stop them trying and people would still suffer like heavy financial loss in those instances no government's going to make it illegal to pay the ransom because it's going to disadvantage the co- um, the competitive uh, nature of that organization that's headquartered in that country you don't need the government to do it all you need is a cyber insurance to null your um it's cyber insurance policy if you pay the ransom so you could do it that way Ooh, isn't, isn't why that, would that a cyber tough. insurance but here's the thing right i'm inside i'm a cyber insurance underwriter uh organization has got a policy with me they can pay out five million dollars out of their pocket no cost to me for the uh cyber insurance or i can have or they can claim against me for 20 200 whatever the number is to rebuild the whole estate like so economics yeah. they're going to pay I'm, the ransom every I'm single pr- time I'm pretty sure there's a case, and I can't think the uh, who who's. I think it might be Maersk is involved, where um, because the who hacked them is now defined. They they yeah, say it might be Russia. They say that is an act of war because it's a state against Maersk, and the cyber insurer has said we don't cover active wars. Uh, oh, we're going to have this attri- um, Oh, we're going to have the attribution conversation again. We're going to have the attribution conversation again because the argument the argument is in the you know and an attribution is the is the hardest part of all of this. Like detection, response, even protection is easier than than attribution. And yet now what we're trying to say is well, dependent on where it originated and who it originated from decides whether it's an act of terror or not. Which again is a little bit like saying, well if if MI five burgled me, um I can claim it on my insurance, but if someone else did, then I can't. I just I just that sounds like an absolute minefield. And I think this is where this was teetering towards because the the Russian connection had been made and as soon as the Russian connection and Trump existed, then it was like, oh well Maybe it, maybe they're terror, maybe they're cyber terrorists. But do we actually know 
of any cyber terrorists? Has anyone been indicted or locked up or like? No, it's there, a there it's an alphabet. They've been indicted. Well, there's a few guys who hacked some Twitter pages. Uh, you know, there's, there's <laughs> you know, the Syrian cyber army. That's all they do. They go into some. some America have indicted for uh chinese nationals as members of the pla yeah that was a that was a pr yeah, stunt yeah. i'm not saying it's not that a pr was, stunt, but they, they were real indictments that's where <laughs> they were real indictments. yeah yeah but How, i think what i mean what makes you a terrorist i mean uh, like well this, I, mean, I don't mean to be all like <laughs> I, I wrote a whole essay on this in my masters you know oh, is it on your blog can we move on can we move on but it's go, about go, to get boring going back to that that case though that the interesting part about that case is the shire insurer or the company which i think is Mersk, neither of them they're both going to settle right because yeah. cyber insurer doesn't want to be seen as not insuring even if it is defined as an act of war and then Mersk also wants to to get you know so they they both are going to settle and they're basically um, saying we need some we need some recompense for having to make this massive payment plus having to recruit tons of um consultants to come in and <laughs> and and fix everything I, I guess yeah yeah okay so still on the subject of uh uh ethics uh kev's been busy this week uh last week we chatted briefly and it was very briefly towards the end of the podcast about a bit of malware called um Anubis, one of our Near Eastern gods that we were discussing uh, last week. And off the back of that, Kev went and did a bit of tinkering with it. Um, and it's safe to say that things escalated. <laughs> Kev, what went down? Yeah, so uh, we, we talked about Anubis. It started to get some popularity. So Anubis is a malware, uh, it's banking malware uh, targeting like Android devices. And as we like to do at Immersive Labs, uh, we wanted to create a lab on this. So how could we equip defenders to protect themselves? And as part of this, I was I didn't want to do anything with live. So I went and uh, found a copy of the, the malware and the C2 panel so we could do all this good stuff. What's and a C2 panel? I, before you... <laughs> uh, Just, you know, for our, for our listeners. Uh, so the APK file, which is installed on your device is the malware. The C2 panel is the command and control. Uh, that's the web application the attacker uses uh, from where they direct um, all the actions that happen on all the infected devices. So as I was playing with this, as I like to do... Uh, probably I on a weekend, probably like Saturday afternoon or something. <laughs> uh, this, this was a weekend. Uh, and I'm not <laughs> going to go into a lot of the details now because uh, we're still going through the ethics on this, but... I found a vulnerability in the malware panel that essentially allows me to completely take control of it. Submit a CV for that? Uh, <laughs> uh, probably not. Um, you can't quite submit a CV against a bit of malware. Um, How do but... you know it's malware? One person's malware is another person's, <laughs> um, you know, must-have app. Yeah. yeah. Remote access so the, yeah, the interest... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The interesting piece in this is from a good guy perspective, um, I have the ability to identify victims. So I can get a list of every phone number, every IMI, every IP address of every infected device. I can also issue the uninstall command, the delete command. So I can just tell all the victims to clean themselves up and completely destroy the uh, the panel from the, the malware operator. So that's what you did, right? 
there like, lies if the this is a Marvel <laughs> me, if this is a Marvel movie, yeah. kill it, kill that's it what Kev, that's what Kev did. You would have saved the yeah, world. That's what he yeah. did, right? Yeah. Uh, like, like, that'd be the no. boringest so... movie ever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All um, right. <laughs> So to clarify, um, just for any law enforcement who are listening, uh, I absolutely didn't. This was all tested against my local um, test instances. What I did is I reported it to law enforcement, um, both in the UK and the US. Um, I also talked to some people who have, um, they've done things like this themselves that I know in the community uh, and asked them for their guidance on the correct way. Because on one hand, yes, I could absolutely do this. Uh, I would be breaking a couple of laws. Only a couple. Uh, it's not this. too bad. It's not too bad um, for a weekend, is it? Regardless of my intent. Um, but I could also, if I was just to go rogue and an issue this, uh, if law enforcement is actively engaged in any takedown or investigation, I could be tainting their evidence. Uh, I could be destroying stuff that they're using if they're going to try and do a takedown and bring these people to justice. So on one hand, yes, I could do the internet some some good by cleaning it up. But on the other hand, I could have like some fairly damaging effect. It'd be more like Deadpool than Superman. Though, <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Is this what they call... Um, oh, I think you've called Hack the Hacker, but I call Hacking Back. This is that sort of... So is this is this a movement? Are there like people who are totally down with this and think this is what we should all do. Isn't this so what I active wanted... cyber defence is? Kind of, yeah. And I was interested in that exact same question. So I took to my two favourite social media platforms, uh, Twitter and LinkedIn, uh, and I have very different um, like social bubbles on each. And I asked the same poll. Um, given the knowledge of this, um, after engaging with law enforcement, what would you do? Uh, and LinkedIn were very much like you don't do anything like you don't publish you never talk about it again and just forget that it ever existed uh, whereas <laughs> my connections on twitter were very much in the i want all the details and in fact a couple of people even came out and i'm gonna say in jest uh they absolutely went like vigilante this all oh the i saw up. one guy comment i saw one guy comment dm me all the details and don't ask any questions <laughs> <laughs> yes and that's my trust public him, stuff. I've, trust him. I've <laughs> actually had a significant amount of DMs and private communications with people asking me for all the details. And like looking at these people, there's some very questionable people in the list. And <laughs> yeah, there's yeah, just people um, on Twitter. We know we know about people on Twitter. Yeah, uh, and like I'm active with law enforcement. And once I close off all those circles, then I may publish some more details, but I don't think I'd ever go down the route of publishing everything. But again, that's a conversation I'll have with law enforcement, with guidance, and with general counsel, uh, if appropriate. But that, I mean, that's important for you, right? Is this this was a, a time when you could think, what I do right now, I could go to jail for the rest of my life potentially, if I do the wrong thing. And yeah. we're seeing this in the hackers, news. I don't know if you know, hackers never get caught. So fine. Um, well, no, not real hackers, but because I, I, oh, there's a, a Marcus, few... Marcus Hutchinson, yeah, Marcus Hutchinson. <laughs> the anniversary um, of WannaCry has brought this up, um, and there's a few others who have. I think there was the Hack the Back uh, guy in America, and he hacked back, uh, hacked the hackers, but the hacker was using an American proxy, so the FBI turned up and he goes to jail. Um, the so, other you thing know, you've got to... happens. The other thing you've got to consider is the attackers aren't using their own computers if. 
if the attackers have hijacked a supercomputer in the EU, uh, for instance. Like <laughs> hang on, hang on, your spoilers, we haven't got there yet. <laughs> Segway. Um, <laughs> by going in and interacting with that, I could be affecting um, like some other businesses. It's uh, just because it's a hacker operating, it doesn't mean it's running on their infrastructure and the computer misuse act in the UK, uh, I would be Whoa. breaking that if I was to do any of this. Whoa, 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 whoa. I think it's time for my button. And now, a word from our sponsors. The, this is all very valid stuff. And of course, we've thought about this here at Immersive Labs. And so we have a collection of labs that are specifically designed for people who want to understand the ethics of hacking, what you can, can't do in both, uh, both the UK. We've got some stuff uh, related to the US law as well, right? And uh, Yes. Uh, and I've, our, our, our users find them super helpful. They're some of the most uh, popular labs on the platform, aren't they? They are, and they're really useful if you're just getting into cybersecurity, especially if you're getting into bug hunting um, and things of like that, like the ethical disclosure side of the house. Understanding, it's more about protecting yourself, making sure that you don't accidentally cross a line uh, that you think is safe to cross. Understanding those is really important. And then, like I said, we, we, we answer all these questions for you in some, in some really good labs. Max, you want to talk a little bit about how some of that content is being used for um, uh, a, an initiative with the, I think it's the National Crime Agency, isn't it, here in the UK? They, Yeah, so the National Crime Agency are running it along with all the national police forces in the UK, uh, which I actually think, you know, is one of the most innovative things that uh, I've heard police do with young people in terms of cyber, is that, yeah, they're, they're through their cyber prevent network. Uh, they get young people onto our platform uh, and obviously they do these um, they have to do these ethics labs first before they get access to the rest of the platform <laughs> but once they've done these ethics labs uh, they then have uh, full access to our platform uh, to learn uh, you know in a, in a um, measured way that they can't do any damage to anyone else because that's all point of our platform um, they can actually learn cybersecurity and and you know it's really innovative in that you know a few years ago i think everyone would say if they caught a hacker they're just however old they they were they they go well he's a criminal but now <laughs> it's um it's really interesting thing they're doing with us in that uh, they know these guys uh, uh guys and girls uh, are incredibly talented and could be some of the leading cybersecurity people in the future uh so why not why not develop them more rather than uh, slap them on the wrist and tell them to to stop doing what they're doing so it's yeah really good um, thing we're doing with, with the police there. Great. Um, Kev already alluded to the very last thing that we're going to talk about just as we wrap up. And that uh, is, uh, many of you uh, may have read, uh, the hacking of a, or the compromising of a supercomputer. And I, did, I have to be honest, I thought like, I thought supercomputers and mainframes and all that kind of stuff. I didn't think any of that really existed anymore. Um, so I was quite surprised to even read about this as a term and that this thing existed. Um, but apparently, there it is in a university. It's a thing that exists, um, and it's been uh, it's been compromised for the purposes of da -da -da, crypto mining. Um, that inc that uh, I don't know if you know. It's a very advanced and sophisticated uh, threat, <laughs> crypto mining. Um, but it seems to be the one thing that everyone wants to do with we, any we kind of resource. We yeah, we need a crypto that. mining button. <laughs> yeah, a jingle for crypto mining. Um, so I guess the first question is like, how does one go about hacking a supercomputer? Uh, and obviously, as always, why crypto mining? So the way in isn't by directly attacking a supercomputer. Um, Supercomputers, lots of processors, mainframes, like custom um, 
like hardware and custom software, they're really, really difficult to understand. So you usually have some kind of controller. Um, so some kind of host system where you can go on and you can issue commands out to the cluster, the cluster runs, it returns your responses. So best we can tell from the stuff I've read, it was actually one of those that was compromised. And it seems to be um, from some of the discussions uh, that this wasn't anything really novel. Um, it seems that some people had their SSH keys compromised. SSH is the uh, command line access into one of these these terminals. It's usually very command line driven. So it looks like somebody had their SSH keys compromised uh, because they weren't fully protected, and that led to further compromise, uh, at which point the attackers, faced with a couple of thousand CPUs in front of them, thought, I could probably mine some cryptocurrency on here fairly quickly. Um, and that seems to be what has been deployed onto them. What happened? Um, what can we take a step back? What does one use a supercomputer for? Uh, mathematical computations uh, is typically one of the big ones. Some of the stuff they they were being used for this time was um, coronavirus. So analyzing. Oh, so it's like crunching numbers. Yeah. Oh, so I have this thing on my phone um, that when my phone is plugged in overnight. It's do, yeah, it's doing something to do with medical research. So is it kind of related to that? Yeah. What supercomputers are super good at though is hashing, which is of course the core of Bitcoin mining. Now I reckon, like I don't know how recently this um, this hack was obviously recent, but there's, there will have been a point, a crossover point, where the hardware specific miners that like properly talent, because like, it's all about power, isn't it? Right? Bitcoin mining is you've got to produce to do the hashing at mm. low power consumption such that you're making more money mm. than you're chewing in electricity right and at some point the economics would have crossed over on this um but it would have been a bloody good idea like maybe three four years ago to compromise a supercomputer and get it to do the hashes because that's what they're really good at the trouble is that the economics have got poorer so these these hackers who compromise the supercomputer geniuses could have brought the whole bitcoin uh, network down because <laughs> uh, they can hash so quickly that it kind of devos the currency except they're three years four years five years too late we're, we're getting a bit off topic but um so bitcoin uh goes to a what's it called, a bitcoin fold uh, every couple of years so it's where they they artificially increase the difficulty level for exactly those. They reduce the amount of Bitcoin available in the world uh, by increasing the difficulty. Um, and um, they'd predicted that this was going to have like massive ramifications. Uh, turns out it passed almost silently. Um, cryptocurrency is less, although it's still volatile, uh, it's less volatile than it used to be. I do just want to point out that these guys hacked a supercomputer it has the word super in front of it so that means it's incredibly <laughs> impressive um and that was what they did with it <laughs> that was what they well, did. That, what uh, else were you going to do with it i mean the, yeah, the, <laughs> the, the, the genius of it is uh, the economics of crypto mining isn't it? is as as paul said the the money you spend on the power versus now if you hack someone else's computer you're not spending any money on power so it's all profit anyway so. <laughs> if um if a, an organ a criminal organization focused its energy on uh, completely stealthily using hundreds and hundreds of business computers to mine uh, cryptocurrency um and then use that money for something good 
would we have a problem with that? It's that we use that money for something good is the is the bit you added on the end there. Let's <laughs> say they gave it all to I'm gonna make it really hard for you now. They gave it all to UNICEF. So it's Robin Hood. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. Well this kind it's Robin Hood for the rich give to the poor. Links us all back to Anubis because that's what Anubis was doing. Is only when you weren't looking at your phone, it would do some crypto mining. So you know it's quite an interesting like loop back. Yeah, like when your it's... laptop is left on and you're not using it, if that processing power is being used by something else, potentially for good, like is that a thing that a business should care about? The difference is I've been given the option. Yeah. Yeah, like you installed that software, I, Chris. Yourself. I chose to yeah. donate my time, my money, uh, an attacker taking that away from me. And if that supercomputer was about to process a load of incoming data for COVID-19, uh, they've just had to terminate accounts, reset keys, so researchers now can't get onto that. So regardless of the attacker's motivations still bad oh i'm not saying their motivations were good i was just chucking out a, chucking out a <laughs> hypothetical as it was the ethics episode well it has been educational and informative and mildly entertaining i i don't have my outro so i should find that and then i will carry on <laughs> If you've enjoyed this podcast, please do subscribe, rate, and comment wherever you get your audio content. And if you want to know more about Immersive Labs, you can find us at immersivelabs.com or follow us on Twitter at Immersive Labs UK. Until next time, from all of us, goodbye. 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 <laughs>